You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. You are back on Represent on Sin with Bridie, Mimi and George once again in an episode where we're not always together, but we're here together this time, which is very wholesome, I think. Um, Today we've got a few depressing, pessimistic topics we're going to be talking about. Um, We're going to be talking about Labor's climate bill. I guess you could say that's depressing on one hand. Um, Talking about increasing inflation and also Parliament coming back this week or very in the front of news this week. So, how have we been recently? Haven't seen well, you guys for Well, I a think while. you're the one that needs to answer that question, having been at um, the ill-fated festival last yes, weekend. It was, Tell us about Splendour, George. It was a bit of an experience, something I wouldn't recommend doing, and <laughs> if I knew what was going to happen, I definitely wouldn't have gone, but I'm wary of defamation lawsuits against us, so I'm not going to go into the full <laughs> length of what happened at Splendour. So... Um, Wait, I've got a question. So when you showed up, did you, um, like, did you know it was cancelled or did you set your tent up? Did you do all that and then realise it was cancelled? No, so, um, we stayed in accommodation, like, we didn't stay in the tent, which was, like, okay. okay. But, um, no, we we didn't know that Friday was going to be cancelled. We... I, one of the big reasons I wanted to go was because I wanted to see the gorillas at a festival because, like, they just it would be really sick to see them. Um... But yeah, we, we found out on the Friday, like during the day, that they were cancelled. So people were actually going in and then they said, no, nope, everyone's, you know, we're cancelling it to so go home or go back to your tent. Um, I think they've said there's going to be refunds for that, but, you know, they'll come in time. That being said, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone had I known um, that the gorillas would have been cancelled and everything. And all in all, like the mud... I've never had so much mud on me in my life. We we whipped out the Woolies plastic bags to cover our shoes and my girlfriend's moon boot, which was in, <laughs> um, yeah, which was in another state after the after the end of the day. Well, and, Mimi and I were chatting after last week. We were saying like whether we could imagine you, um, yeah, you in know, frolicking mud. in the mud. <laughs> I could not imagine. No, we couldn't. No, I'm not that kind of guy. I thought you said that he might like it. Oh, no, maybe that was something else. I think that was something else. Yeah, we talked a lot about you last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, yeah, I definitely did not like it. It was, no. I'm very aware of those defamation lawsuits right now. So I did not, but did like it. (laughs) Just to make sure. You didn't like the mud. Yeah, I didn't like the mud, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's hope there's a better splendor next year, at least. Or maybe one in Melbourne. Some some like Why don't you go to Spilt Milk at the end of the year? Eh, they haven't got as many big acts, I don't think. No. I think like a lot of But I don't really feel on. Melbourne has like a huge one like yeah. Splendor. Oh. It's like BTV was pretty big. The Fours. Yeah, actually like, the Fours one that have they had Arctic Monkeys this oh, year. Yeah, so. okay, fair enough. But Splendor's yeah. just like Splendor. Splendor is Splendor. It was really funny because... When I was listening, when I was watching the Strokes, um, Julian Casablanca, the lead singer, he was just—he had no clue what was going on. I'm pretty sure he's like, you know, in his own state of mind. He's done 
you know, who's toured for so long, he doesn't really care anymore. And just listening to his commentary probably made the entire trip for me. The way he was just, like, <laughs> nonchalantly saying random stuff, that was pretty cool. And then Tyler, I'm pretty sure he came on. I didn't see him because we were just like, you know, let's get out of here. But he was just like, oh, I will be honest with you guys, I have absolutely no clue where I am right now. But Because it was, like, in Byron, like, you know, yeah. no one really knows. Well, it wasn't even in Byron, it was, like, north of Byron. But, yeah, it was... It was a one-of-a-kind festival that I won't forget, um, not necessarily for the good reasons. But anyway, we'll get into it. Kids should go to school. That's what we're going to do. What do we want? What do we want? Where do we want to go? I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. All right, guys. So on Wednesday, Labor introduced its climate change bill to Parliament. And this has been kind of like an anticipated piece of legislation. We've been waiting. It was kind of a promise in their um, electoral campaigns. Um, But it's a little bit contentious and it kind of hovers in like the middle ground of like kind of doing something proactive and then kind of not. Um, And this has made... The Greens and some independents are a little bit upset because they are saying that the targets that um, this bill's meeting are too weak. But then, of course, the coalition is opposing the bill, so what any kind of weak, um, I say in quotation marks, targets that they've put in place, they obviously just don't want those at all. So it's kind of tricky to, like, strike that balance of meeting everyone's expectations and making everyone happy. But... Um, basically, under the Paris Agreement, it is Australia's obligation to commit to a 43% emission reduction by 2030. And this legislation that they're trying to they're bringing to the Senate is supposed to enshrine this into law so that it cannot be changed. However, under the Paris Agreement, no future coalition government can scale these changes back. So even if they wanted to like change their mind, a government cannot decrease the emission reduction target, i.e. change it from, like, 43 to 30. Um, They obviously can increase it and, like, make it better, but they can't go back and change it. Um, The only way to, like, scale these changes back would be to withdraw from the agreement altogether, which I find is unlikely Australia would do that. But anyway. You never know. We never know, but (laughs) hopefully it's unlikely. Um, We're on target to meet um, the 43% reduction emission target anyway, with ease. <laughs> um, and before the election, we were on track to meet 30% emission reduction and we're likely to already meet 43 by the next election. So basically, um, this might leave you wondering, what is the point of this legislation anyway? Because if if it can't be, you know, turned back under the Paris Agreement, then, like, kind of what's the point of, like, making a big deal out of this bill when, like, it doesn't really matter whether it's legislated or not? Um So John Quiggan, a professor from the University of Queensland, says that this is kind of a symbolic act 
by the Labour Party because as I've just kind of gone through, it doesn't really change much. Um, and so, um, yeah, so basically, Bridie and George, what do you think of this bill as symbolic? I've I've got a few more things to go through that I go a bit deeper in, but, like, just, you know, to start just us off, little, yeah, just taster. a teaser for what I have coming next. <laughs> What do you think? I mean, I think it is symbolic. We haven't had any kind of real climate action. So there's a level of anything being introduced will be kind of a bit of a big deal. Um, but I also think that um, kind of legislating an achievable target, sure, like it's a good idea, but if we're already going to achieve it, then I do, yeah, I also kind of think it's pointless. Just patting your back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's patting yourself on the back. Yeah, I I think like there's merit to having it, you know, put in place. It is a bit symbolic in the sense, yeah, where, as you said, Brady, we haven't had a lot of action recently. Um, so it's good to just have like the starting point, if any, if anything else. And um, yeah, okay. yeah, I'd also think it kind of would help our international kind of standing. You know, we've had this twenty six to twenty eight percent, but we'll go to thirty five probably. But I guess just having something a bit more concrete is probably yep. a good thing. In the Take the pressure off context. a little bit from yeah. the international community, which yeah, it's definitely something we have to focus on, I think, in the future. Mm. All right. So if we dive a little deeper into the Greens' response to the bill, um, for some background context, Labor needs the support of the Greens and one other crossbencher to get this bill through the Senate. In exchange for their support, the Greens have two demands – Firstly, they want the 43% target to increase to something a bit more ambitious, and they want a ban on new coal and gas projects. Yes. Sorry, I was just going to butt in and say, um, I know the Greens have gone on a lot about you know banning any new coal and gas projects. This isn't a disagreement or agreement of it, but bearing in mind how, how much... I don't think it emphasises how much Australia depends on coal export, and if yeah, we did... If we instantly just removed all coal mining projects or all coal export, that's an instant depression for Australia. Um, it's obviously something that we've got to change in the future and we can work towards making more renewable industries. But um, right now, it's you need that kind of like far... You kind like, of need the preparedness in advance of banning something like this. Like you need yeah. to have a transition that can just be... Like, boom, now we can put the coal and gas workers into renewable energy or whatever, yeah. right? And, and that being said... That's not... We don't have that. Yeah, correct. But, like, even then, just having the... I guess that side of the pendulum of having the Greens, you know, fighting for having no new coal projects is a necessity in politics. So, you, you know, Labor don't get too comfortable with mm. their climate bills and always having that one force pulling them, you know, to the side a little bit. But that being said, how feasible it is right now, I'm not quite sure. Mm. Well, that kind of brings me into a bit of my next point because you've got this um, very extreme kind of side pushing for stuff and that's, I guess, where compromises start to get made because um, a kind of, well, a compromise exactly is what it is. Um, the Greens have called for legislation to incorporate a climate trigger and this is kind of instead of, you know, having an all-out ban because... I think they know that that's, like, unlikely to happen. Um, Quiggin from UQ says that there's virtually no chance that Labor will agree to a higher target, e given the political imperative to not have seen to cave into the Greens, which is kind of what you guys are already touching on a bit. 
Um, but this climate trigger, according to the conversation, um, this would mean that development proposals are not improved unless their impact on climate change has been considered. Um, so this could mean that Labor would be able to reject new coal and gas projects without having to commit to an all-out ban. So it would like it could be kind of like a happy middle ground. Um, this would kind of be a bit easier, but a bit sneaky for like the Greens <laughs> to get what they want, while Labor can kind of maintain this image of not succumbing to like you know the push of the Greens. Um, and I guess maybe you could say it wouldn't anger the coalition as much. Um, what do you guys think of? like, this idea of, like, Labor not caving to the Greens? And what do you think this means for, like, especially our listeners, young people, their views most likely align with these policies? But then how do we feel about, like, Labor trying to kind of, like, you know, edge away from also committing to stuff that they don't want to, like, see as being weak to? I think, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I think just, like, getting it through Parliament in itself and through the Senate will be, like, it's largely dependent on how the different factions of the Labour Party pull across to, you know, how far not just one, you know, MP or senator is willing to compromise with the Greens. They've got to get them all across the board, which is something that I'm not sure, um, especially like the right wing of the Labour Party, um, I'm not sure how much they're willing to compromise. Um, That's just my takeaway. Yeah, I sort of think... um there's always a level of compromise in politics. I mean, that's what politics is. And I think this kind of idea that Labor and also the Liberals did this as well with the Nationals, like the idea that it's the worst possible outcome to be seen as caving into another party. Like, I kind of think that's not really realistic and a little bit counter, well, quite counterproductive, actually. Um, I'm also kind of interested just kind of very fundamentally as why they've introduced this in the Senate rather than in the House. A lot, you know, almost all bills are introduced first into the House of Reps. But I guess um, it would just be because they don't have a majority in the Senate, but they do in the House. So whatever they can pass saying, through the yeah. Senate, you know, they can get through the House. Um, yeah, I guess I guess um, probably, yeah, there's no need to even go through the House of Reps yeah. because um, the Senate really is the main battleground of Australian politics over the next couple of years, I think. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that being said, um, I... I don't know if like this overall bill in general will be the start of something new for the Labor Party. It's it's like constant pressure that needs to be put on because we know that the international community, um, I find that over the previous years, Australia stays at one goal, but they don't ever look to advance it, whereas the international community is always looking to advance um, the climate goals and whatnot. Um, we saw that in Glasgow last year and obviously like everything with the Paris Climate Accord, people were talking about, you know, um, no emissions by 2030. Well, we're still, you know, we were only stuck at 2050 as of last year. So still still a long way to go, but um, hopefully there'll be some new things put in place. Mm. We're back on Represent Unseen with George, Brady and Mimi. Brady, take it away. All right. So we're going to chat about Parliament. So this is the first sitting week of the 47th Parliament. Um, it's been how long? Two months since the election? Long time. Slackers. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so, um, it's the most diverse parliament ever. There's 16 crossbenchers in the House of Reps. There's 11 First Nations representatives. There's just people from everywhere, apparently. That's great. I didn't yeah. know that, that was that many First Nations reps. Yeah. Well, now you do. Yeah. Thank you, Brady. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as kind of per usual, the... 
um, the sort of starting of Parliament met with some protests. There was the Tomorrow Movement. There was the Zombie Koala, yeah, which I find that? deeply disturbing to look at. What is that? What are you talking? Well, what is it's it? Like it's like this huge koala, but it's like a zombie. So like, it's kind of emaciated. <laughs> but what's it symbolizing? Like climate a- change. Right. It's okay. a climate. Change. <laughs> okay, I was like, but what is it for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's climate change. <laughs> but it's so were- creepy. It's a very <laughs> disturbing picture. I thought they were. I thought it was like that to symbolize their slow movement and <laughs> <laughs> like they're like zombie. sleeping all day. <laughs> it's the ambience. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway. That's a that was something that stood out to me because I was like, what a creepy koala. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so there were some maiden speeches as usual. Um, lots of independence. So we had Zoe Daniel, who, um, you know, talked about. A lot of them talked about how the climate is changing and how we need to do more for climate change and a disaffection with the party politics of um, of the last parliamentary term, which probably doesn't come as a surprise for anyone, given that there are so many independents. We had Zoe Daniel talk, Monique Ryan, who said the last time that an incumbent lost his seat in Kuyong was 1922. Proof positive, Mr Speaker, that not all once-in-a-century events are bad. We had um, Stephen Bates, who talked about the importance of visibility um, for him of LGBTQ plus people. He said, I spent much of my teenage years knowing I was gay and doing everything I could to hide it. I told myself I would force myself to get married to a woman, have kids and live in the suburbs because that is what I had to do. So his uh, speech brought him to tears and, you know, it was quite powerful. Um, Kylie Tink talked about more having more compassion for refugees and about party politics again. And a bunch of other representatives all gave their maiden speeches talking about how great it is to be in Parliament. <laughs> um Senator David Pocock, who's an, an also an independent for the ACT, was actually denied an Auslan interpreter for his maiden speech as um, the parties voted that it would be considered allowing a stranger into the Senate. Now, the last time we, that I can think of, or that I know of, having this kind of stranger in the Senate discussion is when Sarah Hansen-Young brought her baby in to breastfeed mm. it. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. And so, I mean, this was condemned... Auslan interpreter, not the baby, that was a while ago, um, was condemned by Deaf Australia. One in six people in the country experience hearing loss. So is this whole stranger in the Senate an outdated rule? How can we find a middle ground that makes Parliament more accessible? I Yeah, I think it's completely outdated. Yeah, I don't, I don't really I, s- sympathise with that kind of yeah. reasoning. I think, yeah. you know, the Parliament is made for the people. It represents the people. Exactly. So shouldn't the people be... Oh, well, not in the parliament, but you but know, like able to. Yeah, it shouldn't know, be like participate. A, it shouldn't be like outlawed to go in there. It shouldn't be a crime or yeah, you know, like I don't know, do some security checks or whatever you need to do. But like, just put them through a metal detector. And yeah, that's in. what I mean. Like, bring them in, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just a bit weird to me. Or yeah. like si- sign some kind of non-disclosure. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything until I uh, Yeah, I'll just do what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, any reasonable person isn't going to, like, do anything crazy. Exactly. Them. Yeah. I mean, Chile has just had a constitutional convention to update their constitution, you know. There's a lot in the constitution that is outdated. Maybe should we think about changing that? I was just... I was actually reading an op-ed about why the US should change its constitution. I was like, hmm, what an interesting I question. Let me write that in my run sheet. They would want to change the constitution in US. That sounds bizarre. <laughs> 
kidding. <laughs> there are so many things wrong in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you guys are looking at me and like... You would, <laughs> you would know if you listened to us last week. <laughs> I was like, the thought that that would even cross an American's mind is crazy. Just, yeah, I know. <laughs> bizarre. Bizarre. Anyway, that's a bit unrelated. I just sort of <laughs> thought that was interesting to consider. Um, Labor introduced its paid family and domestic violence leave bill, its climate bill, as we just said, um, and its aged care reform. Obviously, all of these have to go through the Senate and, as well, which is much trickier than the House. Now, I also saw something that was a bit interesting was that Trent Zimmerman, who was voted out for um, at the election in North Sydney for an independent, wrote an op-ed in The Guardian saying that the LNP needs to adopt more climate targets and take a stronger stance on climate. Does he still have any influence? You know, is there... What is there for him to gain from this? Yeah, I think, I think you're. It's not a. If you're not singling out as a new like random argument, it's obviously a supported clause. I, I don't think like it's anything to be concerned about. Yeah, I kind of feel like if he's, um, like I, I kind of just feel like you know he has a life as well. Like yeah. He wants to write an op-ed in the Guardian. Write an op-ed in the Guardian. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not like it's incomparable to Scott Morrison's sermon. Last oh week, yeah, so, you know. I mean, I was just thinking, like, even within the Liberal Party itself. I mean, sure, he can write this fast to read, and for you know people who agree with him to be like, yes, Liberals should agree that there is climate change and they should do more about it, but like. He had a 14% swing away from him and 26% towards the independent who beat him. Like, I just might just be compromising it's... towards yeah, what just... is electorate. Yeah, I just wonder if it's going to make a difference at all. Well, it's no. a, it, it is a good sign if you look at it from that perspective because then you're actually catering towards your people and, you know, mm-hmm. it shows that maybe, like, you know, actually looking at, um, you know, representing the needs more than your party's needs. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or your ideological, like, Which is right-wing sort of the needs. idea behind the whole independence thing. <laughs> almost. You could almost say that. Um, yes. So we also had a bit about um, the voice to parliament, the Indigenous voice to parliament. So the country Liberal Party Senator Jacinta Price actually argued against implementing an Indigenous voice to parliament. She said... A voice to parliament bestowed upon us through the virtuous act of symbolic gesture by this government is what is going to empower us. This government has yet to demonstrate how this proposed voice will deliver practical outcomes and unite rather than drive a wedge further between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australia. Now, obviously, she's very deeply against this um, this voice, but um, there was a report released just on Tuesday or Wednesday saying that we're only meeting four out of 17 targets for um, the Closing the Gap report, and some of them were actually going backwards on. So, for example, um, Indigenous youth, compared to in 2019, they're more likely to be in out-of-home care now. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, yeah, just give me your thoughts. I guess without knowing the full in-depth of it all um and like we're not in the you know we're not really surrounded by in melbourne i guess all the confronting natures of indigenous um affairs but that being said yeah obviously it's it's not a good look to see that we're only reaching like the four out of the 17 targets um yeah i guess like a voice in parliament and maybe quotas um increased quotas and you know further quotas um would be 
you know, beneficial. But that being said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Mimi, what do you think? I think, like, I guess you could be cynical and be like, oh, it's not going to do anything, it's not going to help, like, blah, 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 blah. But I think, like, even having it there, not as not symbolic in a bad way of being like, oh, it's just symbolic, but I mean more symbolic of, like, you know, for other Indigenous people, for anyone yeah. to just be able to, like, listen or, like, know that there's that voice in Parliament, I think is, like, yeah. more important than, like, what it might actually be like physically achieving, like in terms of legislation or something. Yeah, right. So Do you, you get what I mean? It's like it's just... kind of me- not a metaphoric, but like it's. I think it's like a step to. Like I think all these tiny, tiny steps, like lead to bigger things. Yeah. And like you could be cynical and be like, oh, it's not going to do anything. Like we're not meeting these targets, and oh, how will this help? But yeah. like it's like a. Li- it's just kind all those little than... things that build together. Yeah. 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 Um, I also have forgotten to put this on the run sheet, but um, we also had Pauline Hansen walking yeah. out of the oh, acknowledgement yeah. of country the other day. What was her reasoning behind it again? It was. Um, does she need a reason, George? Yeah. <laughs> when does she need a reason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a true point. Um, yeah, that's quite bizarre. I think, you know, all of these, they're just. She, she wouldn't, you know. She's doing it for for the show of it and the yeah. theatrics, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's surprising that she's gone away for, for it this long, but, you know, yeah, no one's yeah. going to stop her. I mean, how between... are we still talking about her, really? Like, yeah. But where do you draw the line to just... Obviously, it's hor- like it's disrespectful. Yeah. But, like, to what line can you draw to, like, stop her from doing it? Yeah. I mean, the... What happened was that she interjected to say that she would never acknowledge Indigenous lads in Australia and then walked out. And then a spokesperson, I'll read this, this is on the ABC. Like many non-Indigenous Australians, Senator Hanson considers this country belongs to her as much as it does belong to any other Australian, Indigenous or otherwise. From this point forward, Senator Hanson will refuse to acknowledge country in the Senate. Senator Hanson does not accept that acknowledgement of country is any sort of Indigenous Australian tradition. Gives a massive all lives matters. Yeah, yeah. She's trying to, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like she's trying to redirect it to being about how it's she's the inclusive one when in yeah, reality exactly. she's not the marginalized person here. No, so she exactly. isn't really the one who should have a say in that. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I think she's trying to soften the blow, like, it's trying to be like, oh, it's not that I don't want to acknowledge she's country, to, it's that yeah. I think everyone yeah. should, you know, she's trying to make her out to be a very liberalist free-thinking idea, mm. um, but, you know, everyone kind of can see through that, I think. Yeah, I think so. I um, mean, we got some criticism very quickly from, like, the Greens, Lydia Thorpe, and... Yeah, um, which is to be expected. Yeah, and fair enough, too. <laughs> this is extremely off-topic, but it's just kind of sparked this in my mind. Did you see the jerseys? Was it, Ma- oh, the Manly, Manly jerseys, yeah. jerseys? What do you guys think about that? That... Because, like, to what point, like, I mean, obviously I don't agree with them, you know, well, this boycotting the like, jerseys, but, like, to what point can you, like, be like, well, I guess if they don't want to wear the jerseys, like... It's the fact how the far jerseys. they went with it all, I think. Yeah. Like, they're actually going to boycott because of inclusiveness. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, but like when you, if you think about how it's there, it it feels like I'm not on their side. Obviously, I'm just yeah. like if if you think about how it feels for them, though, they think that this like inclusivity of LGBTIQ plus community is something like disastrous. Mm. Like imagine how you feel about something disastrous, and then being told you have to wear it while you're playing your favorite sport. Yeah, well, it like, goes. How do you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It goes less saying you know. However crazy you think one side of politics are, they mm. think the exact same of you. Um, like, how do we just reg- well, not regulate said, it, but how do we navigate like something how, like that? How are these so players... Hard. Yeah. It's just like, it's like the religious discrimination bill all over again, you know. How can we balance kind of religious commitments with, you know, inclusivity? Mm. Yeah, but they're using the defense of religion, but they're, they've got gambling sponsors and alcohol yeah. sponsors mm. on their jerseys. Well, were Why, they, when were they ever going to boycott no, those exactly. as well? Well, those specific people using religion as in, like, as a... They said it was because of their religious beliefs. Their religion. Which is so contradictory to everything about, yeah. Yeah. you know, the commercialized sport that they're playing. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be... A never-ending, you know, they're not going to change. If they've taken this stance on it, um, Manly are kind of, you know, and the NRL in general, I don't think it's going to change at all. No, I don't think it'll change. I just think that... Well, it's honestly... I mean, it's kind of a silly move from whoever, like, kind of couldn't foresee that that could happen. It wasn't... Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't planned very well. No. Um, Yeah. And I think the coach came out and he fully backtracked from, you know, the whole idea. Like, the boycott worked. It worked very well for them because they came out and said, we apologise for, you know, infringing on people's beliefs and everything. Um, They really backtracked from it and, you know, took almost took their side on it all in the end, which was really surprising to me. You were back on Represent on Sin. And now I'm going to be taking a very pessimistic look at things. Um, obviously, everyone would be aware of the economic pressures that are facing every everyone in Australia right now, and um, that has not changed after you know the new inflation rates. Um, we've seen it come to over six percent now, uh, which is f- a far cry from where the sweet spot of two to three <laughs> percent is um, in Australia. And I just want to bring attention to, firstly, before I discuss everything, um, we're going to talk or you will listen to Jim Chalmers in Parliament as he spoke about Australia's future um, for the rest of the year and the next few years, in fact, about how our economy will be looking. So this is courtesy of The Guardian. Um, This is Jim Chalmers speaking. Cast released a little more than three months ago, inflation was expected to peak at 4.25%. It's already 6.1% through the year to June and now forecast to peak at 7.75% in the December quarter this year. The current expectation is that it will get worse this year moderate next year and normalise the year after. We haven't reached the peak yet, but we can see it from here. Inflation will unwind again, but not in an instant. The harsh truth is that, ha- but the harsh truth is that households won't feel the benefits of higher wages while inflation eats up these wage increases and then some. The economic picture I've set out today represents a convergence of challenges, the kind of which comes around once in a generation. But this once-in-a-generation challenge represents a once-in-a-generation opportunity for our country as well. We have it within us to stare down these threats, to steer our way through this difficult period and seize the opportunities of this new age with an economy and a budget 
as resilient as the Australian people themselves. So that was courtesy of The Guardian with Jim Chalmers speaking there. What, what did we make of that little speech you just put forward? Oh, he just, you know, I mean, it's so easy for him to say, oh, it's uh, it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Mm. Always trying to flip it or whatever. But yeah. everyone knows the reality that it's not going to be an opportunity. It's a real big challenge. <laughs> what is the opportunity? What kind of opportunity yeah. is that? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess he's, I'm glad he didn't, Go into that, you know, Australian DNA narrative. Like we're always oh, the underdogs. Yeah, we're Aussie, so Aussie, tough. Aussie. Yeah. Oh, no. God. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But that being said, it is we do need a bit of Aussie DNA. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Um, to get through this, yeah, because, we're gonna need something to get through. Yeah. yeah. But of, I don't know if it's gonna be. Yeah. Maybe a cold one on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> cold <laughs> beer on the barbie. <laughs> well, this does come after. Um, the U.S. just recorded two quarters of negative growth, which is typically seen as going into recession. But Correct. Um, thank you, Brad. You're welcome. <laughs> I love getting corrected by high school students. Oh, I'm agreeing with you. No, that but you are an economic student, so I'll give you that. Um, but typically, like that is seen as recession. But because of the strong unemployment rate and the strong labor market, it's not considered as one yet. Which I'm not an economics expert, but I'm not quite sure how that plays into it, Brad. Can you uh, fill it's us just because. Inflation is so high right now, but it's not because of like the usual things that point to a recession, which is the usual suspects, which is like low growth, really high unemployment, people losing their jobs, no demand, everyone, no one has any money, right? Like people don't have any money, but that's because the cost of living is so high. But the cost of living is really high basically because of Russia, Ukraine making fuel prices high. So it's like circumstantial, potentially. It's circumstantial and it's kind of coming from where you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. Okay. And considering that, like, yeah, as you said, it would be very not typical for there to be a recession without mass jobs exactly. being lost. And um, employment is so high right now. Exactly. We're at 3.5%. Yeah, in Australia, it's, it's very high. Um, so I guess, like, if we went through a recession with jobs, you know, still really low, I mean, the unemployment rate really low, that'd be kind of surprising, but something does yeah. have to give in the end in a recession. Mm. There's there's always going to be negatives out of it. We won't just continue with our lives as it goes on. Um, so considering the US have gone through that, a lot of people have been saying how um, Australia probably going through a likely similar trend. Um, so obviously the central banks are trying to increase interest rates to kind of combat inflation as it stands. But, um, you know, as we as we know, the inflation rate is almost getting beyond any levels of control. Jim Chalmers mentions how the annual rate will reach a peak of about 7.75% in December, um, and it will hopefully steady as the years come over the next year, and by the following year, it will hopefully be back to normal of 2 to 3%. Um, considering all this in mind, um, do you think there's any way out of a recession here or is the market strong enough to, is there enough job growth? Is there enough positive economic growth in the future or are we going Look, for I think it depends what happens with Russia and Ukraine. You know, I think that's super, super influential right now. Um, with what's, you know, with the th- prices of things that are driving yep. this rise in the CPI. Yeah. So And petrol prices, which is, you know, almost exactly. a direct concern of Russia and Ukraine, has well, not risen. Almost. Like, yeah. that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also somewhat due to greed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Chinese lockdowns. But 
They, they said that it's risen, it's been one of the key contributors as it's risen yeah. by 5.6% and also housing, which has gone up a fair amount as well. Um, but yeah, so I think I think a recession, I honestly, I can't see it. Again, I'm not an economic student, but I can't, from the figures, I can't see us not going through a recession, um, even regardless of the Russia-Ukraine. Um, it just seems like all the stars are aligning for a recession, and we've never lived one. <laughs> we've never lived through one before, so I'd get. You like, mean us three? Us three have never in Australia. We haven't. Yeah, because yeah, no. we avoided one. We avoided the ch- yeah. yeah the- no. <laughs> Making sure you didn't mean the whole of Australia. Everyone. No, yeah, I thought everyone. you were saying that I was a different generation to you or something. I've gone through one, but no, I have not gone through one. I'm not that old. Um, I think it was about 40 years ago since Australia's last recession. So bearing that in mind, considering that we're all young people here and we've never gone through a recession, what kind of things would you recommend to employ to combat the struggles that we'll have to go through? Buy things on special. <laughs> Don't buy cucumbers. They were so expensive. Although really? that might not necessarily be because of inflation. That could be because of, the you floods. know, um, the, <laughs> the yeah. floods. But, but you know, I've told you guys about my job of yeah. changing the prices at Woolworths. And I actually took note of some things oh, yes. on Friday. Tell so us. I was doing it last Friday right when we had our show. Um, I noticed I put some new prices on butter. Oh, yeah. Cream. Dairy. Dairy. If you... If, a few dairy products, yeah. Yeah. Um, jelly. <laughs> Damn it. God. Airplane jelly. Great to a um, strike mode. Yeah, I know. Um, can't really actually remember any much of the others. But it's, but it's sneaky. They do it just by like, it's not by March. But yeah. it's a buy much when you yeah. think about that if it's happening to every single public because it's just job. like, like just ten cents, just yeah. ten cents or fifteen and it'll go up, cents. Yeah, it'll add up over time, won't it? Mm. Yeah, it's it's pretty gloomy. Um, but I guess we should be encouraging people to spend a lot yeah. if we want to avoid a recession. You know, got to yeah. stimulate the economy a bit. So oh, exactly the way the buy those jellies. Yeah, yeah, buy those. Well, Woolworths has products that they're not raising the price of. Yeah, you said this that. actually. I think such as. Um, basically all their home brand products because obviously they can't control like what yep. um what other, like other brands are doing. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. it's it's most okay. like it's most essential items. I would say like pretty much like you know like stuff like flour, sugar, milk, yeah. baking paper, like stuff like that. They like haven't. It's like in a cute little trolley. Okay. Except we had to chain <laughs> our trolley to the pole and then wrap it in cling wrap because people would just take Taking the stuff out of the trolley <laughs> or steal the whole trolley. Uh, uh, <laughs> good Google works. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, what the government did to avoid the two thousand eight recession was they just spent and spent and spent and spent and handed out. Cash handouts, $100 to every household, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, everything. So if Labor wants to do that, uh, wants to avoid a recession again, yeah. they better get moving. <laughs> You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.